0: Welcome to Perceptions Today podcast, where we discuss consciousness in all forms. May 2022, episode 25, Laird Scranton joins us in a roundtable Q&A, Meet and Greet, part two of two. Led Scranton is an independent researcher of ancient cosmology, energy, language, and much more. No, no record.
1: Okay, uh, Laird, thank you ever so much. It was really fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I um, am going gonna, gonna to write to you, an email to you regarding... Um Gumbleki oh Sorry, Gumbleki. I was practicing that before I came on. I knew <laughs> I was gonna murder that pronunciation. Gumbeckli tepi. Exactly, yeah, which I've been I, I heard an interview that you gave a uh, couple of years ago running leading up to this on another on a podcast. And I've been reading into it. So I've got a, a question about that, but I'll I'll email you that. Um, okay. But yeah, just to kind of jump on quickly and say thank you ever so much. It's really absolutely fascinating area. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, I, I can't uh, tell you how much, um, how interested I am in it. And yeah, it's fantastic. So thank you ever so much, Leigh. That's basically all. And, and you know, uh, I'll well, at uh, uh, some point in the future, I'll kind of gather my thoughts and, uh, you know, send you an email. But thank you ever so much. Great. I look,
2: look forward to that. Uh, Thank you very much. I yeah, this work I say is a lot like putting notes in a bottle and tossing them into the ocean. Uh, That you know, occasionally when you know that one has been received, it's very satisfying to hear about that.
0: You know, this is an instance of the conversation coming up in the roundtable discussion. Participants knew it was being recorded.
2: I
3: know
4: fifty years ago, and and he was talking about that same concept. Uh, He was way ahead of his time. Yeah, now, um,
2: a, another implication of the system that I'm dealing with is I, I've talked about energetic equivalence to dimensions and to atoms. Yes. There's also direct um, implication of energetic equivalence to conscious life forms. The Egyptian term for them are Aku, they're little light orbs. Right. And to right. called them Ogo, which is um, sort of a uh, degraded version of the term aku, or vice versa, but the dogon also refer to them as numo. Uh, ma in Egyptian phonetics is um, waves perceived, and there are several classes of them, and they're treated as as emissaries. Uh, they're treated as messengers, mm-hmm. although the actual name that's assigned to them, literally in the dogon language, means. Um, to send out to greet or to send out to say hello. It's a very friendly representation. And the idea is that these orbs connect to all sorts of important things energetically. They connect to how um, knowledge is transmitted both forward in, in both directions, between non-materiality and materiality. They relate to Dogon concepts of the soul. These are dimensional representations of what may be one energetic thing. Uh, the Dogon say that believe that people have four souls and that one of them has the opportunity to hang around after we die if it wants to for a while but the implication is that consciousness um, uh, directly pertains to those Uh, the three monopoles of energy that I was talking, talking about that emerge from superconductivity are classified as this kind of orb the sun and the serious stars are classified as this kind of orb. So there's a level at which the sun may actually be a conscious entity from the Dogan perspective.
0: Well, Rupert Sheldrake says that, doesn't he? With uh, yes. the way that consciousness works as well, saying that everything's conscious in some way. It's just the degree of consciousness as right. we perceive it. You know, so, see, it, 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 let me just say this,
4: Paul. Um, it's interesting that the and talk about you know uh, other consciousness that surround them because i have i have such an experience with with uh, a companion called i call caron that's just the I mean that. but caron when, when i'm having these experiences caron is here caron is set present and part of and a participant in the experience and
2: uh, I, it's too complicated. how, how would how do you conceptualize being that being spelled? Just
4: like the way C H A R O N, you know, Caron. Okay. Like you know, like uh, like like the boatman and in, uh, in, uh, in, you know, in ancient.
2: Uh, the phonetic things. ka means embrace, and the phonetic ra is a term for materiality. Okay.
4: Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So. If here's my here's my point, if the electrical charges and all of that is creating another entity, that is also me. I mean, Jung talked to Jung talked called it the companion. But um, so I'm actually in two places at one time. Um, I, it isn't it isn't another entity. It is actually me in another right. another form. Okay. Right. This is the first time I've actually. I I really, I'm very grateful for what you have just said because this is the first time I sort of got a connection to what the hell is happening. And right. I really think that, that the two the two of us are the same electrical bid. You know, right.
2: We're, we're connected. Right. And, and because, I, from the dog perspective, there there is a direct connection back to the source with right. each individual consciousness. But it passes through all these other stages, uh you know, that are ever broadening stages of consciousness or ever more unified stages states of consciousness, but that are all one thing as you perceive. It's not not that it's a second entity that's connected to you. It's um a phase transition of you, if you want to think of it that way. It's like ice the liquid water is the same as the ice, but yeah, under different not,
4: circumstances. In a way since time slows down during these events, I mean it really slows down.
2: That's uh, an indication. That's an indication of of the stages of energetics I'm talking about. It's characteristic of it. Time down. So
4: that's so good. That's so good. Thank you so much, because no one has no one has made that connection in the medical field. I'll tell you that right now. My wife's a doctor; she's a neurologist, and she can't make that connection. <laughs> and uh, uh, but anyway, my point is that that, that uh, if that if all of that energy field is is opened and connected by its own atoms and neurons and protons and whatever, but electrical energy, especially especially electromagnetic, and all of that, and color color is a factor, that, you know, because of uh, the B-flat thing, you know, the synesthesia. Uh, because the, during the visions, there's a lot of blue, I mean, since and the synesthesia, the B-flat. All of these things seem to react and hold a dimension circle together. And then it finally, once it's all done, it begins to fade. And when it's over, I remember everything that happens, so that I make a record of it. But um, I'm different in some way for quite some right. long time. Like it's well, ima- imagine
2: fun. imagine a whale trying to describe what the experience is to a fish at the surface of water. Yeah, as yeah. it dives down through the depths, the whale is saying, "Look, I I perceive all these things that exist that, that you have no knowledge of, you have no awareness of." Yeah, that's not real for you, but for me, it is. It, it's, it's fascinating. So
4: that's a definite uh,
5: anyway,
4: now, anyway, that's what I, I wanted, I wanted to, to say and point it out. And, and also, I was very connected with Orion ever since I was a child. I mean, this, this being, this Charon, had told me that I was from Orion, a planet that circled the, one, of, uh, one of the stars, the third star, the one that's adjacent to the other two um called zelcon
0: i'm sorry to pause you on this one myron but, but, uh, but i know that some people on. have got some time le- issues that, that have come on. in and i want to make sure everyone gets their questions in with what's right. going on today we I can always revisit to these topics go. again if laird wants to come back and come and play in this sandbox with more questions which would be great if you do you don't have to I mean, obviously right,
4: I mean, <laughs> it's just really interesting and let me finish it off and i won't really say anything more
0: I'll give you um, 60 seconds. I'm counting now because i got okay. these two people with Girl, their hands up.
4: Girl. It's just interesting that, that this African blue, the Dogen, and it, it, I don't think it's just, I think it's the whole cosmology. It isn't just a, the Dogon. But the very fact that all of the things that you described this morning fit perfectly in my, the ex, explanation of my experiential Cosmology. When I have these, these, these what they call seizures, um, it just makes really perfect sense out of chaos. You know what I mean? And, and that's another god. There's another, there's another god for you, chaos. Mm-hmm. And so, out of that chaos, God comes this unity of experience. And that, that's what I'm really about: is this this unity of experience. So. What you have said causes that ED experience at least to be explained for 15-20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> so that's so I thank you for for the complexity of what you were talking about, but it actually it actually explained a lot of what goes on inside of my head. I appreciate that. So thank you. And now I will shut up.
0: <laughs> that's okay. Oh, I know. No, where thank I think I, I know
2: I always appreciate hearing how people experience things because e- each story is unique, you know? Yes,
4: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Oh, definitely. We have some people who experience reality in multiple ways, which is great. Cosmic Barbarian and Great Beer, thank you very much for waiting. And Cosmic.
6: Well, wow. Uh, I had one question, but, uh, everything that was discussed brought up more, but, uh, first of all, I want to comment that, uh, you know, what my room was saying about what goes on in his brain. I had a stroke, uh, almost two years ago. And like, if you look at the MRI, I'm not clear if that's a black hole or dark matter, but <laughs> it's, it's like on the MRI, is this big black hole. So any, anyway, just throw that in there, uh, I wanted to talk about. First of all, I wanted to mention that about Mott. Mott is more than about uh, what you talk about because she's also about balance, like the perfect, perfect balance. And uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, I don't know if you were familiar with what went on last weekend at the Archives of the Impossible in, at Rice University. Did you? Were you aware of that? No. Okay, I'm going to have to get you in in touch with those people because I think it's at Rice University. It was called the Archives of the Impossible. It was a four-day event, and they probably would love to have some of your stuff on file there. Um, If you could put me in touch, uh, I think uh, you've got a thing on your website, I believe, and I can send that information to you. But I really
2: that, that website is, is not doesn't connect to me. It was um, somebody took the do- domain name and tried to sell it back oh, to me.
6: Oh, well, I won't do that then. But uh, I'll tell Paul, and Paul, Paul can pass the information on to you. I think you really need to get a hold of them because now we've got a real university that is starting to study
2: these things for real and yes. seriously. We
0: can pass it through the chat if you want.
2: And Paul, uh, it's, it's fine, to, fine to pass my um, email address along at your discretion. Okay, but I think
6: that that would be important for you to know about. And the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, with the orbs, you mentioned orbs. I have been seeing orbs for years, <laughs> and uh, those little balls of light. And uh, I have seen them very small, but I've also seen them as big as basketballs. And they yeah. will just sit and observe me for a while, and they slowly drift away, go through the wall or whatever. So I've had that experience for quite a while, and I, they've never scared me. And the first time I saw one, and it's interesting enough, I was at work, I was working at my computer at work and there was one right here, right over here to the left of me, real tiny. And it, it, be, it appeared to be looking at me, just watching me. And But the minute I saw it, it got zipped away like, what the heck, she saw me.
0: <laughs> that was the
6: feeling I got. And after that, they would linger around and then I was able to start seeing bigger ones. And so I wanted to tell you about that, too. The other thing is uh, when it comes to, uh, I know you, you mentioned briefly UFOs, and I wanted to mention uh, that the aerial school in uh, Rwanda, where uh, these, these school children about 20-some-odd years ago saw these UFOs come down on their playground, and they were going to make a big documentary called The Aerial Phenomenon. And I got on board with them real early on and was donating money for, for the production, which didn't work out. But one of the things I pointed out to them um, with what happened with those children, I'm sure you'll appreciate this, is I asked them, I said, do you not understand what the Ariel school, what Ariel means? I said, in uh, some belief systems, the Archangel um, Ariel Was the the angel associated with nature, and I think all of this stuff that happened with these beings and these children, it was directly tied to nature, and they didn't even know that. They never even made the connection that the name of the school was the Aerial School, and that what these children experienced was really something to to do with nature. And uh, I wanted to run that past you and and ask you what you thought about that.
2: Well, in terms of the orbs, those are very interesting experiences. I mean, I've seen videos of the orbs moving intelligently, so I I don't doubt for a minute that that happened. Uh, They very often turn up on film when when people can't see them. I understand that certain people can train themselves to see them, uh, but most people can't. Um, Sometimes... We mistake re- refractions of light on a camera for, for an orb, but uh, there are many times where the, the light is not moving in any way connected to the motion of the camera. And it's pretty clear to me there's somebody something else going on. Um, no, I think that's amazing to have. Uh, first of all, absolutely connect me with um, the
0: Rush University people if you can. Okay, uh, I've just swapped your emails in both directions so that you've got them in two areas. All right. Very good. I will forward that
6: information to you about uh, the Archives of the Impossible at Rice University. And and by the way, Whitley Strieber has donated his records and also Jacques Vallée has donated a lot of his records to that to that school. So that's good. Whitley is,
2: is a friend of mine. So that's good. Then
6: he can then he can he can probably definitely put you in touch with the with what you would need to do and, and any interest you have in donating anything for their research.
0: Good. That would good. Just going back to light and orbs and other bits and pieces, obviously there's in biology they've found in some people's eyes have got other receptors for different colours. And there's one particular woman I think it was about two years ago I read a scientific report where she could see a hundred other colors that most people couldn't actually see oh, yeah. to the way she was processing so we, we just don't see everything and we don't interpret correctly well
6: you know the, the thing about color is interesting because uh, I have very you can ask people that know me I have a I can look at a color once, and I'm one of those people. I can look at it once, and I can go to a department store and find that exact color or something that will match it exactly. I don't. That, I, I, I have a memory yeah. for color.
2: That's like perfect pitch only for color.
6: Yeah, that I have that. And uh, I don't know if how many colors I see that other people don't see. How would you know that, really, if you think about yeah. it? But I can tell you that I have an eye for color. And I've been, and when I start seeing these orbs, I mean, I mainly see them as as white or glowing balls of translucent light. But I have taken pictures of one that was as green as it could be. It was like as green as the trees out there. And mm-hmm. um, so it's a, it was very interesting. I don't see them as much as I used to. Uh, maybe it's because of that black hole in my brain now. I don't know. But um, I, I think it's, it's very interesting, and so I'm glad
2: you brought that up. Well,
6: thank you. Thank you for I'm your great. time and, and for being the smart man you
4: are.
2: <laughs> well, we do what we can. I, I have an unfair advantage. I feel like you remember in fifth grade realizing that the teacher's copy of the book was a lot thicker than your copy of the book because it had all the answers of the questions in the back of the book. Oh, well, yeah. I feel, I feel oh, yeah. like you know, That in various ways, (laughs) in various ways, with these traditions, especially with the Egyptian hieroglyphic words, that I have the unfair advantage of the having a teacher's copy of the book.
0: That's always good to have when you want to flick through those, because obviously you've got multiple different cultures kind of dictionaries that you were discussing on different other podcasts as well where it comes down to like the Maori and other places and uh, I think it was the Phoenician as well that was fascinating sorry it's taken a long time to get to your gray beard but now you're up if you're still there
7: I'll see her thank you Paul um hi Mr. Scranton um I got two questions if you don't mind I had an original one but but since you got on the topic of orbs I I need to ask a second if you don't mind Um, I mind a bit. If you could repeat, what did you say the Egyptians or the, the Dogen called them, the Nomo or Nomu?
2: Okay. First, the Egyptian term is Aku. either uh, That's transliterated either as A-K-H-U or A-A-K-H-U. Um, aku is also a term for light. The Dogen refer to equivalent um, concepts by the term Ogo, O-G-O. O-G-O,
7: Ogo. Okay. And then you you mentioned something about several types and being messengers. Was that correct?
2: Right. There, there are several classes of these orbs for the Dogen and one of the key ones that, that interact. Um, Okay. I was um, recently rereading um, a book by John Burke talking about enhancing um, agricultural seeds in ancient Cairns, but through his documentation of the of the sites, he kept accidentally turning up pictures of these orbs. Um, for the Egyptians, for the Dogon, for the Hindus, and for other groups, these aku are directly associated with the the, um, the fertilization, the fertility of um, seeds and plants, and the fostering of them. Um, John Burke's outlook was that the energetics of the cairns were producing, they were producing energy that was enhancing the seeds. The Dolan perspective is that the cairns were producing energies that were conducive to the orbs, and the orbs were enhancing the seeds.
7: I find, I find that interesting with the, the different types and the messengers. Um, I've been following a researcher, um, I believe out of England, um, who claims to have one. Um, in oh. addition, you know, to, to the militaries um, of, of the United States and I believe um, maybe some others, um, taking most of them, he has a couple, and they've been doing metal analysis off of them. Um, he talks about them having a field, and that's what we see with the light. Uh, the, the, the reason this sparked interest is because he said there is. He also says there are several types, different variations of them, and that they network together. They communicate. There's ground level, mid level, and up high level ones. Yeah,
2: and, that's, a, that's a dimensional relationship, by the way.
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talked. Yeah, so he gets in really deep with this too. So, so I, th- I thought that was really interesting. Um, so I would also like to know how you relate this then to Toph or, you know, the Greek version, possibly Hermes, as far as messengers.
2: Okay. Um, first off, the term messenger, while it communicates, okay, a messenger is also a term that applies to the three belt stars of Orion. Um, but the term messenger. Um, for me, is not an exact translation of what the what the Dogen word, the Dogen name, uh, category name means for, for these orbs. Uh, it literally means to send to greet or to send to say hello. Um, when you get to the bottom of this tradition, there's a level of personal connection and friendliness that's not often expressed in the way we look at it or the way researchers look at it. They tend to filter out what is really at bottom just a very um, communal uh, outlook that the non-material and the material universes as, are treated as two longtime, lifelong friends who walk side by side. This, um, the relationship of the energies between the two domains is characterized as a familial, a warm familial hug or an embrace. And the friendliness, friendliness aspect is one that gets de-emphasized, but it's one that I think is is essential it's integral to, to understanding the nature of the the intelligence we're dealing with this this is if you imagine um okay we understand that an octopus is madly intelligent and a whale is very intelligent but when we get um I'll give you another example uh in Hebrew there is a phrase um that's translated as um God is asked um, his name, and the response is, I am that I am. It's Eya, Asher, Eya. However, these words have multiple uh, multiple clusters of meanings the way the cosmological words do, that the same phrase can be transferred, Eya, my name is Eya, and Eya meaning I am. It means, so the same might be saying, I am, my name is I am which is a much friendlier statement than, at least to me is a much friendlier statement than I am that I am. Every direct reference I have to contact with the root intelligence is an extremely friendly, engaged sort of perspective. Um, Every major tradition has a concept of a a non-deified primordial intelligence or consciousness. Um, in Kabbalism, it's referred to as the primordial individual. Uh, Budge interprets Egyptian glyphs to produce the name Sa, but the 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 um, vowel sounds are not always um, certain in Egyptian language. They have to guess at the vowel sounds. Cosmologically speaking, the proper phonetic that goes with non-materiality is C, Si, like Sirius. And Sirius is also an icon for non-materiality the phonetic that goes mater- with materiality is Ra. So the proper name for a consciousness that's comprised at the universal level the, between the two domains, a, a grand consciousness that that it communicates between non-materiality and materiality is Sira, or S-I-R-A-H, S-I-R-A, or S-I-R-A-H. So, uh, <laughs> it's... It, it's an interesting prospect. The idea of them being messengers, though, the concept is that they communicate. their role is to communicate things back and forth and to monitor what happens on our side of things and to take action when necessary on our side of things and to influence things as necessary on our side of things. Now, this is all 3,000 years prior to Christianity, so the references are further removed from Christianity than we are. And so... I try to avoid some of the the Christian outlook on things because certain uh, certain key things get flipped that shouldn't to keep things in the proper perspective. For instance, where Christianity sees an opposition between good and evil, the Dogon um have an opposition between truth and error, a very non-judgmental, a much friendlier outlook that when when an initiate an initiate works with an informant at priest the dictate is to just keep trying until you get it right. There's not a question of being even of being right and wrong. It's just that um, certainly not a judgmental um, um, outlook of being good or being bad. It's either the, the, the consequence of not getting it right is trying again. So, I sort of resist the messenger outlook because it leans a little too far towards Christian perspectives that look at the things the wrong way. You can't get at this the right way looking at it through through those binoculars. You can get at some of it. There's a lot of it that's absolutely the same, but there's a lot of it that's twisted just enough to miss what's really, happen- really happening from my perspective.
0: Just a quick one to throw into all of that. And again, this might be too of a topic to open up to go further on. <laughs> Could it be the kind of feeling of when you are saying, obviously, like there's two universes that get together. One gets bigger and heavier and denser, and the other one gets lighter, and it happens that way, and information comes through from the other one. Do you reckon that could be like your intuition, the guides, that kind of information, and then your brain picks up and interprets what's going on, and that's being kind of like your messenger, herald, whatever kind of description you'll we'll put on it, the kind of flow of your looking back at kind of like an encyclopedia or a teacher just trying to tell you keep doing it until you find out the right answer kind of routine
2: right well Samkhya flatly says that there are routine efforts made from the non-material side to communicate knowledge or induce actions on the material side Um, in some ways the dynamic of energy is a sleep dynamic only it's not our sleep dynamic it's the, the dynamic of uh, of a dolphin it's called unihemispheric sleep and the idea the reason a dolphin doesn't drown when it sleeps is because an entire half of its brain sleeps at a time while the other half stays awake
0: that's the same for birds as well because they don't fall like out trees then so
2: now at the at the fully fully extreme state of the cycle, one of the domains it has is said to have the non-material domain is said to have perfect knowledge with no ability to act. The material domain is said to have perfect ability to act with imperfect knowledge. Now from a human standpoint there is a circumstance where a person is perfectly conscious but has no ability to take action and that's called locked-in syndrome. There is a famous book and filmed, uh, written by a person who was locked in, called uh, the um, Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Uh, This man had suffered a stroke at the wheel of his car and then had an accident and was taken home thinking he was brain dead. And one of his health aides noticed that he was able to blink his eyes in a systematic way, and she set up uh, a system for letting him indicate a letter. She'd step through the alphabet and have him blink at the right letter, and then he was able to communicate words and eventually write a whole book that way. Well, that's the circumstance of non-materiality at this moment um, in the energetic cycle. Um, One of the grand motivations of the whole esoteric tradition from my point of view is that that state, knowing that you're going to end up in that state, is like being buried alive unless you have a compatriot to interact with who knows that you're in there. And so... One of the purposes of the esoteric tradition, from my point of view, is to sort of interview and select out a group of individuals who can be the aware contact in these times where materiality is as least aware as it can be of non-materiality, to have a group of people who are still still know that the non-material consciousness is in there and who can take action on its behalf.
0: Does that answer your question, graybeard
7: yes he he did fully uh I, I had uh, my original one until he mentioned orbs then he piqued my interest um but if I if I could branch off what he was um Mr. Scranton was talking about with um Hebrew mm, just uh, not me
2: it's okay, I'm just laird to everybody
7: <laughs> yeah. oh Laird sorry um mm-hmm. to branch off what you're talking about with Hebrew so a, a lot of people from what I've read um Hebrew is quite similar to how you describe the Dogon or the Egyptian language, as far as the phonetics and the sounds and the vowel syllables having meaning, um, how does this extend to runes? Um, is there a relation or correlation with uh, runes and the, you know, geometry and sacred geometry of that?
2: Okay. In terms of languages, many of the dogon cosmological words are ancient Egyptian words. And Budge routinely uses Hebrew words to explain the Egyptian uh, and letters to explain the Egyptian glyphs and words. So we have a transitive property where many of the key words are at the same time a Dogon word, an Egyptian word, and a Hebrew word. Beyond that, the Dogon language um, preserves 18 subgroupings of other languages. You can almost trace a lineage for them. Some of them are Tamil words, some are Turkish words. Some are Faroese language words. We're talking about two eras of instruction in ancient times, two major, major eras. One at 9,000 BC in Southeast Turkey, a second one around 3,200 BC on Orkney Island in, in uh, Northern Scotland. The Orkney tradition, the way the Dogon described what happened is that eight representatives from any tribal group were taken to a remote location, given instruction in these concepts and sent back to instruct everybody else. And so you have groups that seemingly apparently um, emerged from Orkney, having been taught and returned back to where they came from. Some in uh, ancient Crete, some in, um, you know, moved on to uh, North Africa, to to Greece and to other places. Um, the... Ruins um, are a later form of written language that, that's later than 3200 BC on Orkney. The Viking era was much later than the, um, the instructional era on Orkney. So the ruins connect in complicated ways to, because, because the, the Scandinavian traditions connect in complicated ways to the same tradition, so must the ruins as a form of writing. But it's far enough removed that it would be difficult to trace a direct lineage for it um then the orkney uh, tradition um well many of the sites were abandoned around 2600 bc we know for certain that whoever put the first stone placements at stonehenge had intimate connections with orkney that the first stone placements are a match for the ring of Brodgar on orkney there's a stone house that was built in that era at durington Walls. that is a um structural and um furnishing match for the orkney house there was stone stone furnishings placed in the ha- house the dimensions of the house and the rooms and so forth are a match for this Scarbre house um and so are the like uh stone um uh bookcases or or um other furnishings in the house, are a match for those houses. And that became a standard in the UK for houses around uh, 2600 BC. There's one in Wales next to the stone quarry where the the Stonehenge bluestones were thought to be excavated. So these traditions all tied together. It's not always clear what the direct path of lineage was for it, um, but it's clear that they're tied together. I don't know if that answers the question.
7: No, uh, no, thank you so much, Laird. I
2: appreciate it. Meanwhile, I'm open to questions from anybody. If uh, uh, somebody thinks of something as they're falling asleep tonight and wants to email me, um, feel free to ask um, Paul for the email address. And I'm happy to to communicate that way or contact friend me on Facebook and we can talk with face, Facebook Messenger. Um, What's
0: your favorite way? Because if you are happy with your email address, I can put it into the chat box here if you want
2: okay I, I like email best because then i have a record of what i've said to a person and so if i want to go back and um clarify something or, or want a second guess maybe i've learned something new i didn't know at the time i was talking to them i have a record of what i said
0: so people it's going to be coming into the bottom section of the box here and if you use a different email address or name obviously, contacts and say that you were in this particular meeting, then it makes sense to where the contact point is for Laird, yeah?
2: Yes. And I almost always learn more from these contacts than I than I give. Um, I learned very early on in my process that anybody who approaches me with a serious question about this stuff, I need to pay attention to it because it has has significance for me, too.
0: Excellent. I can see that we're going to obviously talk a lot more and possibly have a lot more of these kind of events, if that's for your liking. Again, Shadowfox has got a question. Well, I just go and grab the email address and I'll put it into the chat section?
5: Yes, thank you, actually, for that that offer. I think like when you guys, I'm going to bring the conversation back just a little bit because you were speaking on how um, there was like... uh, Error, no sin okay when you're um within that language uh construct because it is that energy and if we look at it in a metaphysical or esoteric uh explanation and this is why i like it because it just kind of breaks down the all the emotional components but um if you look at sin okay what would be deemed what most people say sin or evil energy it's just how we qualify it number one number two it's like we can look at that and view it as a perception of you know missing the mark or like in error like try again okay so so if you were to um sin the word sin actually like kind of translates to synergy in negation And I just, I'm, I just find it fascinating because there's so many different cross references. And, um, one of the points that I was going to ask you, because I would absolutely love the opportunity to possibly speak with you about that, um, that light energy is, and it's like you were even speaking about they have, um, like a grand consciousness and, um, there's just so many crossovers on many different mm, octaves let's just say it's just absolutely phenomenal and the major thing is is that communication and it's coming about the time where right now as this energy and these laws are energy of laws are specifically coming into vibration it's the law of understanding and the more that we can kind of like all compare notes, um like whether it be a personal experience, or this is what I've researched, or this is what I found from my field of study. It really just helps build that communication aspect where eventually we can start stepping in. And the words, sometimes words just really, they can be misinterpreted. They can be misconstrued where, in that communication, in 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 and of itself, like if you're talking with sound or with light, there is no miscommunication in it. It's like um, the concept is immediately understood, and eventually, I believe humanity is going to work within that that framework where our actual words we will become less and less and more absolutely focused. And I would just I would just absolutely love to be able to um, to share with you some concepts, and um, I would love to be able to contact you.
2: Well, absolutely. I mean, use the email address, and I'd be happy to re- re- respond to whatever you want to talk about. Thank you. Let
6: me, let me just Thank say you. that that I've known Larry before, and he, he will enter your emails. He does, and you can have good, good little discourses through the emails.
2: Well, symbols are um, are a superior way of communicating for the same reason, for a lot of the same reasons, uh, because the a symbol is based on um, someone's understanding of a metaphor two people's common understanding of a metaphor. And a metaphor is a hugely powerful way of conveying a very complicated idea. Uh, Parallelism, okay, two techniques in this system. One is parallelism. If I know that all the intimate details about item A, and you tell me that item B is, is parallel to that, you've just given me a whole set of concepts without explaining a thing. Or if I know all the intimate details about item A, and you tell me item B is the opposite of that, you've just done the same thing. So, uh, my book, Primal Wisdom of the Ancients, is talking about these kinds of instructional techniques that are really high level teaching methods that are apparent in the ancient symbolic system that make it really immediate and, and intuitive to convey knowledge about a thing that might be unfamiliar to a person. And the difficulties that it looks like somebody had, you know, 10,000 years ago settling on which metaphor was the, which metaphors were the best ones to try to express an idea and not knowing what our references would be trying to receive it.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, I, it's just mind blowing on some of the things that I really would like to obviously dove into really deeply with yourself. I know that you've got a time limit, but how is your time at the moment?
2: Um, I should probably wrap up here shortly. Um, I appreciated um, very much having the conversation And I'd be happy to come on again and talk, you know, if you guys want to come armed with a set of topics you want to talk about or a set of questions you want to address or um, we'll pick a phase of this, an aspect of this that's of interest. And I'll try to explain a little more of, of what I know about it.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, if you can give me kind of a rough time limit that you've got, then I can just let people come up and just say hello to you who are just going to say hello because they've got the opportunity because that's always good.
2: Okay, um, I'm good for probably another
0: 20 minutes. Okay, right. So, Pete, Paranormal Blip, did you want to say your message? Because obviously you just texted one there. Or have you got the opportunity to talk? If not, I have probably just asked you a very difficult question. Because <laughs> right. uh, sometimes I forget that people are doing other things while listening. So put your hands up if you want to speak to Laird, and you got the opportunity, because I know that message. So, Pete who is obviously from Paranormal Blip Podcast, says, thank you so much, Laird. It's really fascinating. Uh, sometimes when I have these different chat windows, open, they to get really small. Right, is there any more text? No, I, no. okay. I,
2: can, I can see the chat room messages. So
0: That's good. The reason I was also saying it was just because if it goes to a podcast, then people who have actually said messages actually get to know that they've gone through quite happily. And okay. right, Pete, good. Come in. Now, you got your hand up, so I assume you wanted to talk, Pete. Are you running to find the unmute button? <laughs> this is going to be one of those cases where he's just hit the button and it's gone up. All right. So you're. It says I can't <laughs> unmute. Oh, OK, right. That's will... OK. Uh... We can work by telepathy, right? All of us? That works. Yeah, <laughs> right. Here we go. I should be able to unmute him. Come on. Right. Let me mute everybody. And then hopefully when I unmute all, try now, see if that works. Pete. Okay. All right. So I've managed to not allow him to. <laughs> do... <laughs> oh, this is good. Why is that? Can anybody else unmute themselves and say hello? Because then I will know it's just not a glitch that's happening. Hello, hello. Right, so that all works. It's your Uh, fault, Pete. This is funny. Right. Maybe if you come out of the room and come back in again. Oh, I wonder if I could boot you out. That'd be funny. Right. So anybody else with quickly while we're filling the void for Pete not being able to say anything? because obviously there are good topics that I've put uh, for myself to have questions and answers to, because we can always go back about the three baskets, which are always put into terminology on statues and people carrying them. But uh, I'm just trying to see if Pete's sending me messages at the moment, which is always good. Uh, Ah, interesting. It seems that Greybeard also got knocked out and can't see anything um now does zoom because i haven't used zoom for a long time if we've gone past the date uh past the number of hours in a meeting can people not get back in again i wonder if that's one of the things that i've just caused as a problem <laughs> <That'd be laughs> fantastic
2: that could be yeah it depends on if you have the professional version of zoom or not
0: um yeah i've got it at the moment
2: then they so. should be able
0: to come back in yeah well, okay Ah, uh, oh, good here he comes Right, so Pete's coming back in, which is good. We'll see if he's got the ability to talk now. Myron can talk. And she's-
3: Laird, well, this is getting sorted out. I have a quick question. Um, okay. When you were talking earlier about MOT, uh-huh. um, meaning, meaning truth, I wondered if perhaps a slightly different but more appropriate definition might be clarity rather than truth.
2: Purity, clarity, clarity. It's closer to the concept of true perception, which is clarity. But I I really see it as as a cautionary note. I really see it as objects may look larger in the mirror than they may appear larger than they actually are. You know that that's sort of a warning you see on a on a side mirror in a car. Mm -hmm. It's saying, in case you didn't know it, these measures that you think are constant measures aren't. And you need to factor that in when trying to sort this stuff out.
3: Yeah, by the way, you're living in an optical
2: illusion. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really look like this. (laughs) (laughs) I I console myself with that. (laughs)
3: Okay, thank you.
2: (laughs) Lynn, how are you feeling? better thank you making progress Better, good i'm glad each of these terms um as i said has a cluster of discrete meanings and what i mean by that is you can't reasonably guess the secondary meanings by knowing the first one there's not an obvious connection and that's what makes them useful to somebody like me trying to correlate things between cultures is that it's not re- not reasonable that a culture would have picked the same cluster of of seemingly unrelated meanings, and, and and associated them together.
3: Right, without that common origin point or point of instruction, yeah.
2: Right, and so mat is one of those terms that in an Egyptian dictionary you're going to find you know half a dozen or more meanings for mat, and it means all of those things. Uh, so it get gets into the confusion of of. Um, like if I ask you, okay, so what's what's the the real state of water? We can't really discuss that because vapor is a real state and liquid is a real state and frozen is a real state. <clears throat> so we're we're often asking questions that, that don't really have a they aren't appropriate to what the situation is.
0: Okay, I
3: think now- there's a bias in the human brain to want to simplify things.
2: <clears throat> well that's how we understand yes sorry you're no, saying
0: one more are no you're saying about the simplifying in the brain yourself lynn you're saying i was just going to ask pete to see if he can put his hand up so then i can get him into the next question but continue with your expression lynn
3: it was just an observation. I, I mean, just life experience, humans seem to like to simplify things, to, right. to make them easy. Whereas with this tradition, we're not this is graduate coursework. We're not dealing with simple and easy. These aren't sound bites. These are clusters of concepts, as you put it.
2: Right. With because of the way the, because of the way the dimensions work with the energy, there are benefits to simplifying and benefits to uh, complicating. That, that's the nature of consciousness that consciousness is a, an interplay between looking at the simple view and looking at it in the complicated view and between the two we triangulate on where truth is so simplifying is, is a valid uh, piece of that it's just not the only piece of it
3: right
0: we don't want to limit ourselves too much no okay right Pete we're going to try again Hello,
1: can you hear me? I yes.
0: can hear you finally.
1: Fantastic. There's no echo. Is there an echo? Echo? No, no echo. Okay, uh, Laird. Thank you ever so much. It was really fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I um, gonna, I'm going, I'm going to write to you an email to you regarding um, Gumblecky Tecky. Oh, sorry, Gumblecky. I was practicing that before I came on. I knew <laughs> I was going to murder that pronunciation. Gobekli Tepe. Exactly, yeah, which I've been, I, I heard an interview that you gave uh, a couple of years ago, running, leading up to this on another, on a podcast, and I've been reading into it. So I've got a, a question about that, but I'll i will email you that. Um, okay. But yeah, just to kind of jump on quickly and say thank you ever so much. It's really absolutely fascinating area. <laughs> really, you know, I, I can't uh, tell you how much, um, how interested I am in it. And yeah, it's fantastic. So thank you ever so much, Leigh. That's basically all. And, and you know, uh, I'll well, at uh, uh, some point in the future, I'll kind of gather my thoughts and, uh, you know, send you an email. But thank you ever so much.
2: Great. I look, look forward to that. Uh, thank you very much. I Yeah, you know, this work, I say, is a lot like putting notes in a bottle and tossing them into the ocean. Uh, that, you know, occasionally when you know that one has been received, it's very satisfying to hear about
1: that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really um profound work absolutely profound and yeah brilliant and beautifully you know described and yep yeah, it's is very exciting so thank you well thank you
0: i just need to quickly check with greybeard he said his audio went in and out do you want to quickly check that and then i want to see if it works with you oh he's not going to do it now just because we had some strange things, okay. I'll come back to you in a minute, Graybeard. Myron,
4: yeah, I, I remember when I was uh, reading uh, Jung's idea of collective unconscious. You know, the collective unconscious, and because uh, when I was a ch- when I was really really young, um, um, c- certain archetypes would would come would, would come into my consciousness that I couldn't possibly know about. like, Horse, for instance, um, the Eye of Horus has been part of my cosmology for ever, and I mm-hmm. didn't know anything about Egyptology or even that Egypt even existed. I'm talking about when I was five or six years old, and yet I would have dreams about um, about other other uh, conceptual things like like uh, certain kinds of. of of spirituality connected with other cultures, especially the Chinese. And I didn't even know Chinese existed. And so I started reading the I Ching and Lao Tzu when I was about eight or nine. And I I I had I got the book that Jung had done the preface for that that, that was the original translation that was kind of stolen out of China. Uh, but anyway, the point of it is, 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 uh, when I went to China, I felt like I was connected to someplace I had always been, mm-hmm. and um, it, it seem, and it didn't matter whether I went to the Wall or whether I went to these parks or whether I went to the Sleeping Buddha that they have there. It's in a park. It's just it's stunning, and but I felt when i was when I, when I was walking through the forbidden city for instance i felt like i was home there i mean I, I, the chinese didn't feel that way but i felt that way because my wife <laughs> was suggest, she was translating what they were saying about the two of us walking together and it wasn't uh-huh. wasn't wasn't complimentary <laughs> they, they were really pissed off that i was there with with a chinese girl i mean i was
2: vassar. one of the early male co-eds at vassar college i understand what you mean
4: <laughs> oh, it, was, it was
2: really bad. I, and
4: she didn't tell me, thank God, I'd be scared to death. Uh, but anyway, my point is, I never felt such such a kind of coming home. And, and then they had a, a Tibetan temple that they didn't destroy in downtown in Beijing. Because, you know, they destroyed Tibet just about, but they didn't destroy this temple. And when I walked into it, seven, it's seven buildings of the seven stages of Tibetan Buddhism. And there's a carved, 20-foot, 500-year-old sculpture in each building. And it, they each are a stage of, of development. And the monks look exactly the way they looked 5,000 years ago. I mean, they look the same. They wear the same clothes. I never felt so at home any place. Remember, I I was going to be a minister. I actually went to seminary. So for me to go to that culture, but that culture has been part of my brain since I was seven, eight, nine years old. I mean, Mm -hmm. the synchronicity of all of that kind of supports Jung's idea of a kind of collective unconscious because I couldn't possibly know about any of that cosmology when I was a child, I mean, but I would see I would see Buddhas when I would have hallucinations, and I drew pictures of them. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember when I walked into the final stage, which is the, the seventh stage. There are three Buddhas on the top who represent the you know the, the whole cosmo cosmology, and there there are always three of them, and they're all gold and and. I just fell to my knees. I was so connected to that energy. And my wife, who's Chinese, who was born and raised in China, and, is, and is, her parents taught at Tsinghua University, she wasn't connected to that at all. And she, <laughs> yeah. she was born and raised in China. And, <laughs> and she said, What are you doing? I said, Honey, I don't know. All I can tell you is, I feel a connection, not just not just a visual connection. I mean a, a visceral connection between what I'm looking at and what I'm feeling, and right. what's in this room. Okay, and I just wanted to make that statement that, that that I think that that somehow cosmology goes in and out of human brains, and right. and if you if you catch it then you've got it and you see it. And then it, otherwise it just, it just goes through. You know, it just keeps going through. What right. do you think about that?
2: Well, I have, I'm part of a community of people who routinely share um, insights with each other. And I've lost track of the number of times where the thing I'm being approached with by message or email today directly pertains to the thing I was researching this morning. Exactly. exactly. Um, and one of the people at uh, one time made the comment that they were told in one of these states that it, it's all one, it's all one story. It's all one thing. And the idea that there's um, a subject matter being discussed that a range of people are all receiving aspects of at the same moment. It's not that, people I know are, are channeling what I'm doing. It's that we're all on the same, we're all listening, watching the same channel.
4: Yeah. You know, it's enough. Yes, yesterday, let me say this, Paul yesterday, I did a painting of Horace And today we're talking about Egypt. It's, right. I mean, it's, it, I mean, has always been a part of my life, especially the eye of Horus. And so in my painting yesterday, I did a painting of Horus, and then today we're talking about Egypt and, and about hieroglyphics uh, and all that sort of thing. I mean, the synchronicity is so obvious that I don't even right. have to make it.
2: No, it, it's very common for me that I'll be researching a particular topic. Some stranger will approach me with, do you know what this image is? I saw it vividly in a dream, right. and I'll sort of what the image is, and it turns out it's the key to a whole other side of the thing I'm working on that I didn't know existed.
4: <laughs> right. Well, just like what happened with what you were saying earlier, you know, you, you know, you explained a lot of the cosmological things that go on with me. So, so obviously, I was here for that reason, not just to see you, but to hear what you could give back to me to explain some of some of the, the complexities of the human brain and the human mind, actually, more than the human brain
3: thank you.
0: because we're very lucky that we have stephanie quick who's been looking into synchronicities for over 20 years and she's coming to talk obviously and that's always fun when we've got synchronicities working in the way that again like we're talking to yourself and people within the community i mean lucky enough as i've explained to you led the community isn't something which we put our arms around it's people that come in and out and if they want to stay and play they can but they always seem to find lots of connections and as a few people we said before we found so much which works in that way yes cosmic librarian you wanted to say something
6: yes um <laughs> uh it has to do with what Myron was talking about actually i think it's very interesting that the things that come to us when they come to us and he was talking about uh, buddhists and uh a few years ago, we had uh, some Buddhist uh, monks from Tibet come to Austin, and they had a big exhibit, and did, they did one of those great big San mandalas that they do. They're beautiful, by the way. And I was reading the paper one morning, and it was talking about them coming to the Ransom Center, and I looked down at the picture of, of these monks that were building the mandala, and as I looked down at the picture, boom. It was all of a sudden, I was back in a monastery in Tibet. And, I mean, I was really there. It was, it was very strange. And at that time, we were invaded. You know, we were sitting, my brother monks and I were sitting there praying and meditating when the big doors of this monastery were broken down by Genghis Khan's people. And they came through and started cutting down the people, my brother monks. And I remember that at the time, I was like, I became furious, absolutely furious that these things are being done to my brothers. And at the time that I thought this, I, I tried to fight back. And when I fought back, of course, they cut me down real quick, right? And the strange thing was this monk, was in was felt, felt terrible because he had not been able to keep himself at peace when this was happening and they had given in to anger there whenever they were invaded by 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 lashing out and he felt so guilty for so long because he had died in anger and I stepped in me and I told him don't feel that way. You are a human being first, a human being that, that you were upset with what was happening to your monastery and to your brothers. You've got to forgive yourself about this thing first and foremost, because this was not your fault. And I, I worked with him. And then all of a sudden, this big weight came off my shoulders. And when the weight came off my shoulders, I was crying like a baby. And um, because I had taken a weight of guilt off of him, I also took that weight of guilt off of me. And like the next weekend, we went to the Ransom Center and saw the monks finishing up that that mandala. And what they do when they're done with that mandala is they brush it up and they take it in and they, they throw it in a string, which is symbolic for what they believe. And I, I just wanted to let Myron know that when he was talking, it reminded me of my experience with this Buddhist monk. And um, I don't know what sets these things off. I don't know why we go or why I go to those places and what, what is the key in this, in this particular instance, it was that piece of beautiful mandala art that they were putting down with, you know which was symbolic of how things are so impermanent. Right. But uh I just want to relay that to Myron because I understood kind of what he was he was feeling because I've been there and I I don't even have to go to the place anymore. All I have to do is just have something that sparks whatever that is to remember. And I have dozens of memories of other lives. I don't consider them reincarnated lives. I consider them other lives being
0: lived right now. Right. So I know the clock is running down. I want to make sure that obviously Shadow Fox gets hers in quickly because obviously you said that you got about 10 minutes or less. That was about 10 minutes ago. So.
2: <laughs> well, we, we can do one more question here.
5: I just, I don't have a question, but I um, would like to wish you a happy
0: birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. My birthday's on the 12th.
3: <laughs>
0: yes. yes. Do we all want to come off mute? And we can all sing happy birthday now if you want. And we include that in a, <laughs> a podcast. That'd be hilarious because we'll be out of sync. <laughs> I'm not not sure that syncs over
2: Zoom, but we'll, we'll find out. Please don't. <laughs> you spoil
0: all my fun. It'll,
2: it'll be pitch nightmare for you, huh, uh, Myron? Yeah, please
4: don't. And don't hit me flat.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't know well, I was I'll, not going
4: to say that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I can imagine it. I pre- appreciate the wishes. <laughs> um, so happy
4: birthday! Well,
2: thank happy you very birthday.
4: much. Without singing,
0: <laughs> yeah.
4: Happy
0: birthday, Lane. <laughs> All thank the text.
2: So I turned sixty-nine this year, so oh, that's, you're,
4: yeah,
6: that's
2: you're in my it.
6: category. I just turned sixty-nine <laughs> as well. Um,
4: Yay! <laughs> you're just you're just a kid. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost seventy-nine. Wow! So, yeah, yeah, I've been here a long time.
2: <laughs> well, that, that's good. You know, seventy, seventy-nine. You you look uh, ten years younger than that. So
4: yeah, that's what they say. I don't feel ten years younger than that. But
2: yes.
4: <laughs> I've been through a lot in my life, so. But yeah, I mean, I I think age age is well, I think it has a lot to do with genetics. <laughs>
0: I I have to put in there that it's quite true as long as you keep yourself active mentally and everything else that tends to be the big point where if you just sit in a chair and think that you've retired, lo and behold, they found with one of the studies I think it was about 10 years ago that you probably pass away within 18 months because there's nothing holding your attention which is a really horrific study to read. (laughs) So I I
4: have to do an art piece every single day so I work 16 hours a day on a painting every day. And then wow. I post it, and that's a vision that I have. So if I have a vision, I paint. I paint a picture of it as a record. So I've got eight thousand. Wow! Definitely go and visit his sh- website. Been shown yeah. I'm cool. I, I, you know, I, I had that
6: stroke, and and I, I keep my mind active, very active since the day of the stroke, and it's probably the best thing I've done for myself. Yep.
3: Yes,
4: absolutely.
0: Right. So if you go and look up. Uh, Lad, at some point, if you have the opportunity, Marin Dahl's website is maron and then Dahl.com. And obviously Cosmic Librarian's got a website, which is CosmicLibrarian.com. Yeah. And obviously, as I've mentioned before, there's other people in here like Paranormal Blip, which is Pete Harrison. That's a very good podcast to listen to. One of the people who couldn't actually make it tonight runs an organization called Edgeways, where they do meetings like this where they have all different people that like to come and discuss things. And her name's Sarah, who's the organizer. And she said it was unfortunate she couldn't make it, but I've given your contact details to her because she might get in contact and you might have the opportunity to go and talk to their kind of community as well. So that's great. Yeah, well, thank you very much. You know, Cause I, uh, it's very much appreciated just coming in such a short space of time doing this spending the time with us because we as much as i say when we go over some of the topics that we're just skimming over them they are so in depth that you really want to go back and revisit and it's nice when people want to come back and discuss it with you and you've got a groundwork to go from there so thank you very much from all of us
2: well thank you so much i've really enjoyed it i'd be happy to come back anytime
0: Okay, the diary will be out. I think there's a lot of people there, as in there's people waving in (laughs) different little boxes on this screen. (laughs)
7: Hey, Paul, can I ask Laird one last question about his books? Um, Laird, which book would you recommend to start with?
0: Hey, wait, Greybeard, you said could I? There's an answer to yes or no on that. I know I know you, but don't just steamroller me.
2: (laughs) No, um, as I said, uh, the topics we've been talking today mostly relate to my most recent book, which is called Ama and the Spark of the Universe. Uh, There's another book preceding that called Seeking the Primordial that is a difficult book, but it sort of lays the foundation for a lot of this. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, I'm going to say goodbye here, but thank you all so much. It's nice to know the right resource for the right skill set, you know, Uh, Always happy to
0: meet people. Oh, it's again it's just so much of a pleasure, and thank you very much. So many people are sending so many good messages saying how much they've enjoyed it. Because some people are coming completely brand new, and we always have just every viewpoint, which is fantastic. We're not very much silo thinkers in here, so it's good fun. Thank you very much for all your time. Yep, thank thank
3: you. you, Johnny. Well, thank you, lad.
0: Speak to you soon. Thank, thank you very well.
8: much. Uh, thank
4: you
1: all. Thanks
0: bless you so much. All. So, I've got at least another 10 minutes, possibly, but then again, I have to make sure my 10 minutes don't stretch out into infinity like normal. So, how are we all doing, folks? Because we're still on the recording clock.
4: You are still recording
0: at the moment. No, yeah. So, that just keeps
6: This was a great group and it was a great conversation today. I loved
0: it. You were saying Ian?
8: Yeah, no, that was absolutely superb. Um, Lad just completely blew my mind there. Within about five minutes of him speaking, uh, I'm totally just trying to order his books right now. But um, yeah, no, that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
4: It's always amazing I, to me how how the synchronicity of, of of things that have just been buried and ignored. You know by you know, there's always anthropologists and spiritualists and stuff that go into this stuff, but um, it's, it's really amazing to me that these people still exist and that you know that they're supported and then they write their books and, and they have so much information. It's so. If you go, if you go in the universities, you can't get this kind of stuff. It, they're not that. It's not that in, in depth. I've taken some classes. In
0: the, in CLA. No, you can't. I mean, I when putting together the event details, I went and found a URL which is called Owl Tail, I think it is, and you can actually search out different podcasts. So I found there's forty-seven different podcasts which led's done before so i put that in the actual invite on one of the website pages so that people could actually go and sample set the different books that he's done and how other kind of interviews or round tables he's done and it's really nice that he finds the way the questions are coming this evening so inclusive and wanting to come back again and talk and also he's quite happy to go and talk to other people and find out information as well which is great so shadow fox it's nice to see you and thank you very much for showing up and seeing that but again with all the people that are coming to talk and be part of the community and pass on information it's just been such an amazing time so far i feel i, I do agree with you it's just kind
4: of like kind of, you know truck the surface of things because we just don't have time to, to go into all of the things that that, uh, that is pretty much untaught and uh, we just have to dig out of the libraries and, and, and out, out of people like Larry. You just have to dig these things out of them.
0: And, Especially the bit where he's going to talk about if we get him back to talk on how universes are by. That there's one no. that's always going to be having yes. one more mass to the other one. But there's when there was information being passed across, it's coming obviously non-written. So you could be receiving a higher information. And for example, the Dogon tribe, when they were asking, we called them entities, energy, spirits, whatever you want to call, were they God? They said, no, but if you want to think about us in that way, we've got information from that kind of environment. So they weren't putting themselves above anybody else, but it's always a, a transfer of balance and in this way, but there's so many, it's not Maa. worth of it. <laughs> Sorry. Cosmic. It's my, Ma-
6: it's not in action.
0: Definitely. And again, that's a really interesting word because you've got M a, and then obviously a space and then A T again. A T, Yeah.
4: That's yeah. pretty famous word. Actually. It's, it's, uh... It, it's Anyway, it, it's amazing to me that, that uh, you know, we translated... You're going to
0: need to get a little closer to the microphone. It's amazing to, give to you me that,
4: that we, uh, we translated the Rosetta Stone hundred years ago or so, and that gave us the insight into the hieroglyphics and, and all that kind of thing. And, uh, and since that time, Egyptologists in Egypt have finally... Uh, gone back to studying their own origins and um, new information coming out of Egypt every day since they just they just discovered an ocean underneath the desert yes. under like Mars. I mean, there, there's an ocean and there are whale fossils in yes. the sand. So it's it's amazing to All of this stuff has happened in the last hundred and 20 years or so, you know, it's it's really a it's like the whole world decided to wake up a little bit. You know, it's been asleep through the Middle Ages and and, and then then you know the, the, the latest the latest thing and the latest fat. But now it seems to be that people are waking up and, and are more interested in in the total the total world than they used to be, at least. Some of us are. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to
6: say I don't think it's everybody. I think no,
4: it's, no, no, I, no. It's nothing. There's it's nothing more
6: people, j- but it's not very many. Really, when you look no, at the whole population.
3: I
4: mean, I mean, if you think about it, there are there are billions of of uh, of of Buddhists, then there are there are a billion uh, Christians, and so even though we don't think the exact same mythologies mythologies are still there you know like he was saying underneath the surface they're all pretty much the same you know so you call yourself a christian and then you have those i cannot if you call yourself a buddhist and then you've got those and or if you're a zoroastrian or whatever you are most of the world still believes in something except for the atheists that are supposedly outside of that but they believe in their science which is a kind of mythology too because they don't have all the answers so it can't be absolutely true because we don't absolutely know so if we can't absolutely know then it can't absolutely be true it can only be the next step to the next you know the, to the next insight and 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 i think that a man like, like him and and some others that i've heard on podcasts that are fit they're actual scientists admit that you know that we're sort of on this this journey, and this journey is opening the doors slowly but surely, and somehow somehow they cross, you know, and, or cross over, and that's that's what's kind of exciting, I think, um, even with the world in chaos, which is what it is, and of course, that's one of the stages of theology, is chaos, it's the beginning of Buddhism, you know, pain. You can also
0: take the fact of you remember the story of Babel and languages that possibly it was all information at one stage and then it gets split up and fractured away into other languages. Because when you listen to a lot of Laird's work that he's found out, certain numerology, numerology, sets are so important across all the different cultures, whether it be Tibetan, Chinese, or the Maori or the Phoenicians. And it's like you know, working in sets of 10, you know, their days and weeks with that kind of way. Or they're using seven canoes in the Maori myths, I think it is, of creation. And then that relates into seven other kind of symbol stages. And it just it's you just want to get it all out massive piece of paper on the floor and just trying to make all the different connections and draw your different diagrams and try and work out where we, we kind of lost it all from, but it's fantastic. Well, I
3: mean, it
6: was, what's really bad too, is there's so much that, you know, I've been studying this stuff for so long and sometimes my brain goes crazy making that connection. So when I had somebody like Laird start talking about these things, I don't feel so crazy because I make connections, and people go, "What? What? Wait a minute! What are you talking about?" And it makes me feel a little, a little nuts sometimes. But but making connections is so important. And there's another man that's dead now that was an Egyptian. His name was Hakim. And um, if you've ever read the book from Light into Darkness, it talks about how. Egypt, of course, was enlightened centuries before we even knew there was an Egypt or any sign of Egypt, and that what happened was the Egyptians went from being a very enlightened people to going into darkness, which is, I think we're still kind of on the lower edge of that and maybe getting ready to to grow again into the light, but
4: we still got a little ways to go. Remember, the Egyptians were conquered by Alexander the Great, so That's right. it, that really changed the way their whole cosmology operated. Well,
7: know. their
6: cosmology changed over time, too, so if you really yeah. study way back, and all through their history, their cosmology changed in little bits and pieces. We tend to put, put it all together in, a bucket and say ancient Egypt, but literally there were a lot of different belief systems and even the names of their gods changed over time. And they took on different aspects as time went by.
4: Yeah. And there's also, they even had monotheism for a while under
6: Agnan. Uh, and that's you a know, real, know. but that was a very important concept for its day. And yeah, it, absolutely. It was, absolutely. it was very different. It was very different, but, but,
4: yeah, and, and sometimes Horace is a is is a brother, sometimes he's a a, a son, sometimes he's a relative. You know, this on and on it goes. I mean, over well, I'm, I, I, about I would, five thousand years here. I mean, you know I,
6: I know. I had a dream once about my two boys. I have two sons, and the whole dream was about the sons of Horus. And this this whole dream was about my two sons, my real two sons in this lifetime. Being sons of horse, it was a very bizarre dream, but it was, it was very vivid and very strange. <laughs> and that's all uh, I'll say about
4: that. I guess if we deal with this stuff a lot, it permeates our unconsciousness. It, it does. It does.
6: It does. It's interesting.
4: interesting.
0: Oh. oh, definitely. Oh.
4: All I can say is that, that the, the synchronicities from that word, which comes, you know, kind of comes from you in the first place. Um, and this was his whole life, his, his whole concept with collective unconscious, that, that all that information is always available. It's always been there. It'll always be there. And like I said, it, you know, it kind of floats through and, um, most of us are too busy making a living, and raising kids, and, and watching football, and whatever, but then and to take some time to sit down and be quiet enough to have this stuff penetrate us. Or we have you know, a brain intervention, like in your case, a stroke, game, and in my case, epilepsy. You know, there, there, there are, are, are reasons but most people,
6: you know, they're just too busy to take on all this. Yeah, this I agree with that. I agree with that. It, it's very hard in this world now to um, have, a, you know, and I, I made a concerted effort for years to do this, but it was, it was it, sometimes it was very hard to learn and to grow in ways I wanted to because real life intervened, but that doesn't mean I had to stop. And I'm so glad that I didn't give up. And that I've continued and I don't know where it's going to lead, but it, it can only benefit me, the world and all the people I know. That's the way I feel about it. It's important right, to everyone. I agree.
4: Well, I think that if you're on, a, if you're on that path, you're on it and you're not going to get off it. So yeah. Nothing's exactly. going to take me off the path. I mean, I've been on it 74 years. I'm not about to stop now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's but but I you know I worked with so many people I you know like hundreds and hundreds of people because I was in charge of them that this, this stuff never crosses their mind ever. No, you know, it they doesn't never huh? thought they never even think about it,
3: you know. And, uh, I
6: can tell you I worked with a lot of people too, and I was also in banking before I went to public health. So I was around a lot of a big variety of well-educated people that had no clue about any of this. They were, And they showed absolutely no interest in it. And so I tend to, to pull back a little bit because they just looked at me like I had a screw loose, like what does this mean and what does it matter to what we're doing now? And uh, I'm glad I, I stuck with it, but it was not easy at all.
4: Yeah, yeah, the only way that I penetrated the sort of non-believers or ones that don't even care about it at all, is when I started showing my art in all kinds of galleries and museums and universities and stuff all over the world. Then all of a sudden, they got interested in the cosmological part of the images. But before that, I could have talked all day, and they would have said, does anybody know the score of the Laker game? (laughs) That's that's what what I would have done. And I would have gone, yeah. uh, no, I don't know the score of
0: the Labour game. No, I don't. It's like the old Plato's cave bit. If you're yeah, the person who's oh, yeah. actually been let out and you want to go back and talk to others, they got no idea about it at all. And it's us who either have an accident or has some strange event that makes you curious or you're just born curious. And the other ones are quite happy to just go along with the herd. And it's really strange. It's a peculiar way of looking at things.
4: Yeah, and what's interesting is that we're herd animals, you know. What I mean, we are herd animals, and and yet there are always parts of the herd that move off and go and go their own way, and that's that's kind of unusual. I think. Yeah, I think it's, it's a, a good a good anthropologist or zoologist would 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 wonder why that's so true, you know. It's, it's a fascinating journey that humanity has been on, and whether we're going to make it or not, that's all academic, but um, after all, anything could take us out and put it on ourselves. I mean, we're, we're right on the edge right now, so, but I don't, I don't feel negatively. I don't feel, any. I feel very optimistic, you know, my roommate comes home and she's all freaked out, you know, that, that. That Putin's gone crazy and whatever. Yeah, I don't feel that. I agree. I don't feel
6: that. uh, I mean, I'm not what you call optimistic, but I'm not scared either. I'm I'm not like living in fear that oh, some bad thing's going to happen. I mean, I I acknowledge my own death and all that thing are in the future, but I don't sit and dwell on those things, and I don't see them in a negative light because. Even you can't have light without darkness. You've got to have that dark edge out there, or the light doesn't mean anything. It's not even light if you don't have darkness.
3: The only time, the only
4: time the, that all that goes away, I think, is when you get into uh, when you tra- when you get past when you get to like what they call nirvana, or where no opposites exist. So there is no light, no dark. There's just consciousness, and that's it. And uh, that that that's the end. That's the end of the dualism. I think as long as you're trapped in, in dualistic thinking, then you, you're trapped with with those opposites. And when, when those opposites disappear, they just disappear. Now I haven't. I've only experienced that a few times in my whole life. But I know monks that have, and, and certainly uh, the, the if Dalai Lama has. There's no question. He talks about it. you know that that. There's no opposite when he's meditating. it doesn't exist. There's just consciousness. That's it. There's no up, no down, no dark, no light, no nothing. There's even a Tai Chi that's all white, and there's a Tai Chi that's all black. You know, usually it's black and white on one side, white right on, right on the other. But um, anyway, you know, I think beyond beyond all these dualisms and and little details there is a kind of unity and that
0: unity is cosmic consciousness or
4: whatever word you might use for it but, uh, oh definitely I, so much I don't think, right no, i don't think that many
0: did get there yeah we're gonna have five minutes more and then it's off for myself but uh, no it's it's so much fun with all the conversation the people coming backwards and forwards and supplying so much great content to listen to for example where a grey beard? Can you talk at the moment? Yeah. He's in the room. I know we had a technical bit where he looked like he I was in the room. I
7: can, but I, I didn't hear that question. I'm sorry.
0: I haven't posed one yet. That's why. Um, <laughs> for, for example, with the content, I mean, you got to get this right. You're fairly new to Laird, aren't you?
7: Yes, yes. I I didn't hear of him yet, but you caught my attention when, when you had messaged me about it. Uh, so yeah. I stayed quiet, like you said. Um, But no, I absolutely enjoyed this conversation. Blew my mind.
0: So Ian's, is it okay if I talk about your grandmother, Ian?
7: Yeah, of course you can. Well, maybe you can
0: talk about your grandmother because (laughs) you know your grandmother. I don't, but you can tell everybody in the room about the kind of how this is just amazing for quite a lot of us.
8: Yeah, yeah. So um, when I... um, well, obviously, uh, before my passed, um passed, uh, she she used to, her and I used to talk about Egypt and Egyptology the whole time. And um, as I was saying, Paul, she has quite a uh, quite an open minded view of it. But uh, a lot of the things that um, especially uh, so there's like um, I want to call it like a dictionary, but that's probably the wrong word. That There was a, a book that uh, Laird referenced that he, he goes to for a better understanding of how the Egyptians, uh, you know, formulate the sounds and everything to do with the hieroglyphics. Would well, you that call was that
0: lexicon? That... I'm, I'm sorry, what was that? I was going to say, would you call it more of a lexicon?
8: Um, I suppose so.
0: I mean, it had a formal name.
8: Um, the guy that wrote it, um, he was very good at his field, but it's almost like the modern interpretation of, of, of how the hieroglyphics work. It has been dumbed down to the point of almost missing the, the whole object of the the symbolism behind it. Um, so my grand never really got the modern uh, taste of it. And so a lot of what he's saying Um, it it does sort of resonate with with how my gran looked at everything and she especially was into the sort of um, how how can I put it not the religious angles but more of the spiritual side of it um, from the aspect of the very big overarching picture of how everything fitted together um, as opposed to maybe Uh, say going into the the study of Egyptology and just looking at the mummies and why they had mummies and what the the symbology around that meant um yeah she was very much into the uh the bigger picture and um yeah it's just just comforting to know that she was right and uh I well in my belief and and I I agree with um what you guys have been saying and what what Laird, uh, Laird has been saying and um The the whole reason that I got to this point, I suppose, was because from having conversations with my nan, um, I was very open to the idea of there being something else behind what we perceive as reality. And I was raised a Church of England, and and after a point, it just didn't seem to, to fit at all. And so I just was wondering, well... Where where is the source? What is the bottom line for all these religions? Because just looking at modern religions, it, it's too confusing. It's like, and I, I mean no disrespect here, but, but when I, I hear people talk of the Bible sometimes, like it is literally the word of God, like it was dropped on the ground by God, untouched by anybody. And I just know that's not true. So how can I, What I'm trying to say is I don't find that I can understand or get to the answers that I'm seeking through modern religion. And so I want to know what the core is that gave rise to everything else, because I think that the true answer will be found down around there somewhere. And I I think that's what Laird has been saying. You know, when
4: I was was in seminary, uh, we were taught that Egypt was the land of the dead. Because, uh, and then of course there's this mythology that they built the pyramids and all that kind of stuff by slaves, by Jewish slaves, and it's all nonsense. Yeah. It's all nonsense. It's, and it's absolutely not a fact. And this was in a seminary, a very advanced seminary, by the way, that thought that Christianity was more symbolic than it was actual. And even under that teaching, they, were, they, were, they just dismissed 5,000 years of Egyptian culture to... To one little country, you know, the Jewish nation, which, you know, isn't that big a deal. And it wasn't that big a deal in the ancient world. So it's really kind of amazing that because of Christianity, it's become, it's clouded our minds to the Greeks, the Mesopotamians, the Chinese, you know, on and on and on, you know, we're, we're, all of us that come from Christian backgrounds, all that was negated as, you know, heresy. And, and that's what we're, that's what we're taught. We're taught that all that's heresy. And, well,
6: what's really ironic is uh, if you know anything about Horus, and know and about Horus and Osiris, then you, you kind of see the beginnings of that legend that became the Christ.
3: Of course, of course. I mean, it, it's
6: it's uh, if you study all of this stuff, you start to see all the connecting threads. That's what's so amazing is all of these things are so connected. And, and at, at first glance, they don't look that way. But when you really study them and go down to the meat of it, they're all the same
4: thing. That, well, they're all the same thing. That's that's <laughs> what most most people who study this stuff in depth know that it's all one thing. That's right, and, it is and, and, and yet they all argue that it isn't one thing, you know, that Judaism is one thing and this, you know, it's and there are certain truths and Christianity is another truth. And I mean it's, I it's, think it's that's everybody kind of gets me. Yeah, it's, Sorry it's cut you off
8: that. yeah, the arguing and the back and forth, and it's not about getting to the truth is it it's about someone being right and telling the other person they're right to a point where they back down and i I didn't really get into any of it for that i just i just like to have a better understanding right but yeah modern religions and things their 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 current purpose is so far removed from what it should be that it just seems futile trying to um trying to really invest a lot of time in that Although I respect everyone's religion and their beliefs. If, if that's what you want to, you know, put your time and effort into, that's, that's perfectly your choice and I'll support you in it. But no, it's not for me. I, I need to, uh, yeah, I really would like to know a little better going forward.
0: It's as well, long as you're not hurting other people, isn't it, really? That's the main thing with religion, as long as you're not hurting people with it and right. forcing them into something strange and wonderful. Because the other thing that I forgot to mention, if I got it right, in your grandmother actually had a good collection of Laird's books.
8: Um, I, ooh,
0: I have a good collection said, of Laird's books. Well, there um, you go. I was going to say that's um, a great as well, because he
8: may well have um, a couple of the reference books that he was talking about. But um, as for her actually having Laird's books, I think he may have been just a touch after uh, so so I don't think she was really sort of buying books and time and things like that when he was there
0: uh, Oh so I confused it when out. we were speaking then, I knew that you mentioned your grandmother and Laird at the same time but obviously you've got the books so what yes. one would you also recommend to Greybeard as the next book to read after Amma? Which...
8: Um, right, so I, I tell you what, I've just had a, a brief peek at the, um, the two newest books he was talking about um, that Amma book and the one that he mentioned before that. The um,
0: primordial one, yeah.
8: Yes, the primordial one. I reckon the primordial one absolutely definitely has to be read and then followed up by Amma, like you said. But um, I can tell you which ones that I've bought. Uh so the first one I got was uh the science of the Dogon, and that's quite a nice introduction to uh the Dogon mythology. And it kind of sorts the wheat from the chaff a little bit, because um, back in the day, there were some arguments that came up about whether um, one of the original people that went and spoke to this tribe actually achieved what he said he achieved. Um, and and it turns out that he did. And, and it's good for that argument to be clarified, because it gives you a lot more faith in what comes later on in the book. Um, so the next book that I have after that is Primal Wisdom of the Ancients. Yeah, um, that's haven't... the next book. Yeah, yeah, you were saying that was a good book. I haven't quite started it yet. Um, cool. And I also have um, The cosmo- the Cosmological Origins of Myth and Symbol and um, Point of Origin. And Point of Origin, That that's about uh, Gebekli Tepe. And um, again, I haven't quite started that one either. But um, I think the premise is basically that that could be the, um, uh, as he was saying earlier, maybe the main source for other, um, I want to say communities, where they all went to learn the same sort of uh, ideologies, if you will. That, that's the way us, uh, if, it.
6: if you read Scarabray, that's what it's about too. It's about that community on, uh, on that ordinary island that right. that's what it was. It was a it was an educational place where people came and learned things, ancient teachings, and when then went out into the world and talked to others. And uh, it's a real interesting book too. It's much more contemporary feeling, but um, it's 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 interesting.
0: Yeah,
3: all,
4: all, the, all the writings of Joseph Campbell. I mean, he wrote he wrote three major volumes. One on uh, the primitive man, all the way from Australopithecus to, name it, all the way to about uh, about the beginning of civilization, and then and then he wrote a whole book on um, all of the the ancient civilizations that 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 uh, evolved eventually into Christianity and all of that, and then he wrote a whole book on on uh, modern history as well. And like the Man
6: with a Thousand Faces is really oh, that's good.
4: Ju- that, that's just a summary. That's a summary. Yeah. He wrote volumes on all of those subjects. Over, oh, he did. Over, over I, 8, I have 000, them. <laughs> over over 8,000 years. So, yeah. you know, he and he spoke all those languages. So he, he learned them all. And so he could... I, He was the one that unraveled most of the Egyptian stuff for me back in the 70s and 80s, back in the 60s even, um, because he knew so much about it. And of course, when PBS put him on uh, with his specials, he was really upsetting the Christian world by saying that Christianity was really just part of the the Egyptian mythology and and, and that they all were connected and and you, you know you understand.
6: And um, You need to go back to that Rose Crucian museum <laughs> and take it in a little deeper.
4: It's it's uh, it's amazing to me, you know, that these people have always existed and and even even that you know, even the the PBS, I think he was on for nine hours, nine episodes or ten, something like that. Right. And um, The power of myth. Yeah, but it, yeah, but it was it, it covered all of civilization, all of the history of the of the world, right. you know. And then there was a guy, Jacob Bronowski. I don't know if you know who he is, but Jacob Bronowski covered covered the beginning of science all the way through to present day in uh, in nine uh, presentations um, uh, on PBS uh, called "The Ascent of Man." Yes, and and that is and that's all on YouTube. It's all free, and it's all on YouTube. And I, I really you know exhort you to to look up Jacob Bronowski because first of all he worked on the atomic bomb, but but beyond that he also understood how the world was how the world evolved, how nature and man and all that evolved, and he talks about it in the scientific perspective and all the scientists that had brought all this stuff forward and some of it backward. And uh, it's, it's a pretty fascinating subject. And he's a remarkable intellectual man, just, just a remarkable. In fact, he predicted in his very last episode, he's at his home in Palis Birdies, and he said, the ascent man, of course, will always go on. But there's no guarantee that the West will take it to its next place. He said, it's just as likely that it would be China and India that takes the ascent of man forward. That was in 1972. So what's happening? China and India are taking the ascent of man forward. That's exactly, America is going backward. We're going backward and they're going forward. So
8: he was right about that. That's exactly what happened. Um could I could I ask Greybeard just a quick question? Um you said earlier about uh one of your friends um and the orbs. You, were you talking about Patrick Jackson at all.
0: And Greybeard goes quiet or he's running towards the f- microphone mute button.
8: That's okay. I just read um his latest book. Um
0: You have to give me that name. Model
8: um Patrick Jackson and the book is called uh hold on uh quantum paranormal and it's um yeah it's different i'll tell you what so uh it's not about ghosts and spirits of That's of good. the once living hanging around it's more about uh the, these weird energy forms that can hold different states or they can trans we're talking plasma uh, are we talking what sorry
0: Plasma. Um, Energy plasma. uh,
8: Yeah, it could be. It's these little orbs of light that people are seeing, but they can be a visible orb of light, sort of transparent, or they can be solid metallic. And and they perform different functions as a network, like a communication network.
0: Uh, Uh, Working like a hive mind. Right. Now, Five I've got to quickly check with you. Is it Patrick, the standard spelling with a K on the end?
8: Uh, yeah. yeah, I believe so. Let me just and then, and check then.:
0: Did you say Johnson? Yeah.
8: Uh, Jack, right. So it's uh, Patrick, P-A-T-R-I-C-K, yep. Yep. Jackson, J-A-C-K-S-O-N. Um, and, quantum yes, it's, uh, and the book's called uh, Quantum Paranormal, a 21st century analysis of the
0: paranormal phenomena that was published recently is it Uh, hang on it's not a book from the 1960s that's what i'm saying it's
8: oh no no this is definitely in the last couple of years i believe uh 2020
0: there you go okay that's good now it gives me a clue to put into my book list to look for in the chat box i've actually put and i'm not sure if everyone saw it when they looked at the invite it's the link for over 42 different interviews of laird scranton talking on different subjects they're all podcasts which are on the internet at the moment well yeah
8: let me just kind of
4: a little bit yeah, he's got oh. stuff on youtube
0: there's a lot in there as well uh, i've put into obviously Greybeard. i'm not sure if Greybeard can still hear as He might be doing things at the moment uh cosmic i think you've seen it haven't you I'm talking to Cosmic who doesn't exist. She's gone. Right. That's why I can't talk to her. i
7: here, Paul.
0: Oh, good. Right. So, Greybeard, I put into the chat, and I think I threw it into your direct message. Oh, she said she's got to go. Many thanks. I've just seen the text message there. So, Greybeard, I gave you the link for the 42 different Laird Scranton audios. So, that give you something to do tonight.
7: Oh, much appreciated. Thank you.
4: Yes, Send me that, too, which you? Would you?
0: Yeah, I'll get that into the Facebook Messenger. Because I've only heard one,
4: and and I I know he's got a ton
0: of them. Oh, yeah. The one on the Maori civilization that I listened to, which was done, was fantastic, because it talks about them then going up to, obviously, the Orkney Islands and putting information there, which is fantastic, because of just the whole way it all spreads out. So let me just get hold of that link for you. I
4: mean, if you think about it, archaeology is only about a hundred years old. But before that, they didn't study the past. They just didn't.
0: Well, also, the other thing is some things will actually be eroded and disappear. So, again, fossils, you have to be particularly quick. For example, mammoths when they died and were packed in ice in siberia it was really quick to stop the body from decaying it was you know an ice full of massive kind of fist-sized hailstones and impacting which was but they,
4: they, they found a phenomenal. frozen mammoth right here in the united states yeah. actually intact in fact there were they were there was some speculation about whether they would try to take the dna from that animal and it in a modern elephant and see if they could make a a mammoth and uh, or a hybrid and they're fooling around with the idea I think it's dangerous myself
8: but well yeah I was gonna say that does not sound like a wise thing to be doing really no I don't think so either but I'm not I'm not them so
0: I think the perma yeah the permafrost as well you've got so many bacteria that have been down there frozen and they want to bring them back and go oh tell you what we can bring this back from a dormant state and you're thinking you don't even know whether it could leap out of your protective environment (laughs) and start causing another issue
4: we, we can't even handle one virus you know, it's killed 25 million people it's just in oh the we can handle it we
0: can't stop it that's the problem yeah, right. <laughs> everyone gets to handle it right. want to actually that long. was that came up in the discussion actually
4: that came up in the discussion on the podcast i was
0: listening to and, yeah uh, scary but anyway kind of freaked me out so. yeah, that's scary. That's
4: very scary. just keep their Ian, bones yeah. just keep and, their bones uh,
8: Sounds sorry, I was just standing presenting. here mumbling to myself. Yeah, yeah. What you Can we join in the conversation them? while you talk to yourself? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was just saying that. Yeah, it is very scary, and uh, I think the way that we've handled this COVID thing. Now I'm all jabbed up with dodgy mRNA viruses or, or vaccines or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, I don't think we should be messing around with mammoth DNA. And all, well, you know, they were, you know, they were fair totally- things to be doing.
4: They totally freaked out about what they might bring back from space. When they, to, you know, when they, were, when they were on the moon, they, they were quarantined for quite a long time because they were really freaked out that there'd be something on that the moon that they could bring back. And think about that if we go to Mars. I mean, yeah, you know, right. I
0: mean
4: Just think about the
0: radiation.
4: Back. I know. The radiation, radiation is the first thing. Yeah, just a little thing like radiation, which we uh, are, are a little concerned about right at the moment.
0: And glass, glass in spaceships. What's all that about? How can that <laughs> yeah, stop radiation? I mean, <laughs> yeah,
2: right. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they were saying
0: yeah. about the amount of lead you would need to stop some cosmic radiation, and you know, you wouldn't be able to get your rocket off the launch pad with some oh, bits. And right. then they go, You can wear this wonderful suit and it will stop radiation. You go, But I've got this glass bit where my eyes are.
3: Mm,
4: yeah, right. Okay. Well, let's think that through. Yeah, that's right. right.
0: Because I mean, I know they got
8: the honor of being the first guy to land on Mars, even if your legs and arms fall off and you go blind within about 40 minutes of being there, but you're still the first, right? So who
1: cares? Oh, yeah. Well, if
4: they asked me to go, I'd go. I mean, my life's, you know, getting towards the end anyway. So I would go. Why not? I got nothing
0: to lose. Well, talking of that, you want to look at one of the books by Laird, which is talking about got to get his name emmanuel valoisky who talks about the electric universe theory and you're looking at venus being a comet coming in and impacting mars and then getting into an orbit because (laughs) some of the years that when you're looking at it in a lot of the texts around, you don't hear anything about Venus until something around 1600 BC, like the Japanese and uh, other cultures start writing about it. Apart from that, you don't ever hear about it. Yeah, it's quite fascinating know, to think about. I Maybe
4: mean, you should bring that up. I, I heard something about that, but I never got any details. So yeah, I, I kind of know what you're talking about, but I really don't.
0: Oh, it's great. I mean, you should... Um, I mean, I first heard of Velasco, Emmanuel Velasquez yeah, back on Where Did the Road Goes podcast, and he was talking to people and then he also talked to Laird about it as well. So there's a good podcast out there. But in the list of books that I put in the chat is the book that Laird talks about. The um, Those heresies. There's a website,
8: there's a website also... And I can't remember the name, but it's a Christian website with a really Christian sounding long name. And in there, they were talking about that um, Venus thing. And what they reckon is that that transition of Venus into our um, solar system, when that happened, that's what caused uh, there was some sort of war or there was some guys having a fight in the desert and then all of a sudden there was a pillar of fire and the sun didn't go down for four days. All this sort of weirdness started happening, and they're making the link that potentially, yeah, the transit of Venus into its current orbit now was what caused all of those things that they're referencing in the Bible. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what to make of that. It sounds a bit whack, but you never know, right?
0: I know, I mean... I think it'd be quite amazing because there's so many moving pieces in the story that we only concentrate on one, but if you had, you know, put them down on the table and could go, yeah, I can prove this came in at that time. Again, with uh, talking of dragons of fire and breath and comets and things can be mislabeled as that. And if you saw a spaceship for the first time, you may think it, if it was a rocket coming into land, you may think it was a dragon because of the fire, but it's actually kind of like a booster rocket that's trying to, Slowest descent, you know. There's all those kind of things that we just have the wrong language for and misinterpret.
4: You know, it's what's interesting about the dragon in China. The dragon is is positive, positive, positive. There's no negative to the dragon at all. In Western culture, especially in the, in the medieval times the dragon was, you know, was really a bad news guy. And uh, it's interesting that those two arch- archetypes are so are. are are accepted so differently by two cultures.
8: And they also if you religion ta- though. Sorry. Yeah, um, religion. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
8: yeah because in, in Western religion, the dragon or, or or the devil or Satan or whatever, um, they're all linked together as being like this really bad entity, the the right. the hoarder of money and everything else. That's why I think you get tales of dragons that live in caves and they sit on their pots of gold. Whereas, uh, yeah, in uh, Eastern religions and things like that, I, it's it's just a completely different concept. No, but, they, um, they love
4: dragons. They have the dragon festivals and the dances, and they're absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely yeah.
7: wonderful. Yeah, yeah. My understanding is, um, the in earlier cultures that the, the dragon, especially you know, in Japanese and uh, Chinese, the, the dragon not only uh, viewed as like a serpent, but uh, it, it stood for knowledge. Yeah. Um, which also the serpent stood for knowledge. Um, I can't remember that the uh the early people, the early civilization, I believe it was right above India. It sounds just like Dogon, but it's not. There's a there's a maybe it starts with an N, like Nogon or something. I can't remember the name of the tribe, but they were like snake people, like the knowledge people. They taught everyone yeah. you know that that culture. Yeah, and then, well, then you have to wonder why Western culture, oh, culture demonized it. Demonized it.
0: Which What's is,
4: fascinating is birds are very smart. They're not stupid at all. In fact, oh, no, no. You know, I mean,
0: you know the terminology that, you know, you go, you know, wise as an owl, Yeah, cetera. right. Oh,
3: I know.
4: The
0: opposites of how the cultures split words around, and you think you're going to be translating one thing, and you're actually translating the complete opposite without realizing getting yourself into trouble.
4: I mean, look at the, the coyote in the, in the Native American culture is a trickster figure. But the coyote in other... In other the is not a church. So it's, yeah. it's 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 kind of interesting what symbols everybody you know everybody takes. And when you look at when you look at the totems of those peoples, they're all animals, and they all have symbolic members You know,
3: meaning.
0: they portrayed yeah. Wiley Coyote incorrectly as well. <laughs>
3: right. Poor bloke. Yeah.
0: anyway, I must wrap this up. So anyway, it's yeah. been fantastic. Thank you very much for coming and participating.
4: And we will all say adios. But thanks, Mike. Bye, bye, bye. Take care, oh, Just out of curiosity, yeah.
0: before we go, um, obviously we got a few more events coming up at the end of March, yeah, which I'm are good. Kidding. As in synchronous, TM Mike, and I presume everyone's been enjoying them because everyone's been turning up and staying for a long time, so... Mm-hmm we've got Just good for content a is the next one
4: right yeah okay. I unless
0: i put anything in next week but at the moment i haven't really thought about <laughs> okay. anything this week was kind of a special one of slamming two together because i had the opportunity had to take advantage hey, Paul, of that did
7: one. um did laird leave an email or anything he said he was open to anyone that wanted to communicate or talk
0: he did for you a fiver right a fiver <laughs> i'll give I you will a fiber
7: get a fiver or something
0: just email me the details, right? Why can't, of course, i got someone's name in a box here on a message. I'm just going to send it across to yourself.
4: Can you email, email me his email?
0: I can email you his email?
7: Okay. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. I didn't want to beat a dead horse, but I needed, I, I wanted to prod him more on the, the mythology, the Dogon mythology of orbs, because, man, that's the first time I actually heard it align with current uh, research. So I was really interested in that.
8: Is that Patrick Jackson you're talking about, right,
7: Exactly. Yeah, I've been talking to Patrick more recently. And, uh, you know, looking into, yeah, I haven't read his book yet. I have it. I just haven't read it. But I've been talking to him personally. And that that, That uh, was was the first time I heard any any kind of uh, synchronicity between what Patrick Jackson was researching. That's the first time I've heard any kind of, like, translation of it before. I've never heard mythology aligned quite like that. And it just blew my mind when he was talking about it.
0: What's yeah, your connection right. to Patrick then, Graybeard?
7: I am in another quote-unquote community, I guess. Um, yeah, <laughs> a different one that. What uh, doing? The to? calls, like um, th- they just did the call with uh, oh, what's his name, Gary Nolan, and then uh, Diana Pasolka,
0: Macallan. Yeah, Twitter.
7: yeah, we've been doing uh, Twitter Space calls, um, d- just allowing open you know space and, and trying to talk it. Uh, one of the calls we did um, was—I don't know his last name—but he's a gentleman uh, on Twitter. He's known as Stephen of Wales.
0: Doesn't uh, he, is a,
7: he is a a phenomenal researcher, and he has he is so organized on his computer. He just has files and files, and just full of knowledge. Uh, but I'm I'm in a um, like a private uh, texting group on Signal app on the Signal app. Uh, yeah. Stephen's included in that. Stephen is friends with patrick jackson uh and introduced us to him so we did a call with patrick and he absolutely blew my mind um with his research
0: i was going to say to you mark allen's really great because he's got good connection points unfortunately when he does his events for us in the uk it's like four o'clock in the morning
7: (laughs) yeah oh gosh yeah you know yeah mark does it yeah he's on the west coast here in the states so when he does his calls at 9 p.m it's midnight for me I'm up yes, until 3 a.m. It's,
4: listening to him talk. It's, it's, good, it's good for me. You know? I mean, I live in the United States. so well, no, you Mark should Allen's him. great. I love Mark listening
7: Allen. to those calls.
4: You know, Anthony, all, he, all of this, I think these are all in the night in the morning for me. So they work out pretty
0: good. Yeah, Myron, I'll send you Mark Allen's ID in Twitter space. Uh, Twitter okay. space in a direct message in Twitter and then he does actual events so just tell him that you'd like to hear about it and you can hear what goes on with him because yeah. obviously Greybeard's got that connection point as well.
7: And Myron I do have to say uh, I've introduced a couple of these people um in this other community to this one and they all love you. The the, the several the three or four that have made it into our calls the last month or so I'll absolutely, like love you when you talk. By the way, just wanted to throw that out there.
3: Thank
4: you. I really appreciate it because so, so for so many years I was I was really really punished for what I was saying.
0: I mean, punished. So. I'm just so me, and
7: they haven't mentioned you, so I'm sorry. Or Paul, but they all, they all want that. they all Hang on, me. Hang like, on, hang on the a, the a minute. Guy. What are you saying
0: about me? What you're saying? Uh, Great.
7: I, I, I'm just you know they, they didn't ask about me, you, or you, and that's all. They, they, all they, they they all had questions. I'm like, they who told me who's this Myron guy? I'm like, oh, Myron is excellent. And then now they've been joining the calls to listen.
4: Yeah, actually, I've been getting tons of people on my Facebook. I don't, and they're all these people that you're talking about, and they like my art and stuff like that. It's kind of it's kind of weird that it isn't negative. <laughs>
7: Yeah. One of the guys, um, he's strictly, um, he he doesn't even get into the conscious side of it. He's more of a nuts and bolts, um, video UFO kind of guy. And he went to your website and he said, he's looking, he he was going to buy some of your art, but then he couldn't decide which one, but, but he's, um, he says, I have to buy some of his art. He goes, it's just awesome. He was just blown away by it. And I didn't see that, you know, coming from him just, I didn't think he would be interested in your, um, quote unquote woo side of it all.
4: What was funny about it is when I was when I was actually showing all over the world, I refused to sell anything uh, because I, I I didn't make it to sell. I made it as my process, and then I got so much of it, and and then I did this show with Clive Barker, and I don't know if you know who Clive Barker is, but I did a show with him, and 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 he wanted this piece so bad, and that opened the door to me selling. So I sold him a sculpture, and, you know. He gave me ten thousand bucks for it. So, um, but it's 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 hard for me to sell things that that are my life. It, you know, it's it, it's like selling tearing a tearing a page out of your diary and selling That's Or ripping that, a kidney out. Or ripping a kidney out of some other organ, like your heart. You know. So it's so I, I don't mind selling prints. I'll sell those, but but the originals are with me and when I'm dead, my my kids will probably just give them away. But uh, in the meantime, I'm kind of... Just to let
0: you know, Myron, in Twitter space, I've contacted Mark Allen and asked him to include you in the list for when he does his kind of talks. And obviously I've put his name in your direct messaging in Twitter so that you've got a connection point. Because this is the thing about connecting people as we do yeah
4: absolutely i mean i don't even know how i found you how did i find you where did you come from
0: i was found due to the fact that i had listened to you off of anthony's podcast at the very many years back then when i started talking to anthony obviously i knew about you but we did an event he wanted you to be included in it, but because of time zones, I was sending you the links, but you were always eight hours backwards and right. not realizing. Then just before Christmas, uh, we got in touch and obviously had a conversation. Right. And then uh, everything's rolled from there on in. Okay,
4: that makes sense. Right, right. right. Okay. Like, I couldn't remember how we made this connection.
0: But it was just the fact we had so many disasters with different Twitter space is crashing and sending information to Marin that we were texting via obviously Facebook and then it uh, was December and actual yeah. voice communication.
4: I think I met Anthony through Facebook, somehow he saw something or he read something. And then he, he, he got on my Facebook page and that so we did that, but that took a long time and then we then we finally talked and then I referred him to my book, and then he read it, and then he wanted to put that in his book. And I told him, "You don't have to worry about copyright. Just put whatever you want in your books. It doesn't make a difference to me. I, I don't have any pride for anything that, that I care about. It's not. It's not copyrighted. So, yeah. nor would it be because that's not its point. The point was just information. And Definitely. Darren told me to write it, so that's why I wrote it." That's how I met
0: him, which is on Facebook. Excellent. Talking of information, this is just a taste test, and you don't have to answer, you can answer. Have people been listening back to the podcasts, and do you find them useful, and do you tell other people? I'm quite open to feedback at the moment.
4: Yes,
0: are they long enough? I'm asking any of the three people that are in here that aren't me.
8: Yeah, I listen to them. I listen to them in work, so I don't give people a choice. Um, but I, I just <laughs> My kind of person.
3: <laughs> so,
8: I just listen to um, Myron's ones, actually. But, yeah, now they're really good. It's easier. So I am listening now, but I, I find it easier to sort of have it as a podcast and then I can zone out to it and listen properly, whereas right now I'm, I'm kind of listening and thinking at the same time. So it's nice to have the podcast after definitely.
4: And yeah, in my case,
3: obviously
4: I always listen to the ones I, I never I got to, never got to attend like there's some, some that you did with Anthony that I never got to listen to. So I went yeah. back and listened to those. I know what I said so I don't have to listen to them but I I listen to, to all of them as you release them. But then I really, then I listened. I went back and released, uh, listened to uh, like two or three others, kind of like I do with Anthony. And if he has somebody on that I that I really interested in, then then I'll go back and find it because he, he puts them all on YouTube, so they're really easy to get to. Yeah, and, and I'm on YouTube every night, so I just go. Oh, okay, I'll just type in Anthony, and bam, there's there I am, and there's everybody else. And if I don't know those people then I go to them because I want to know what they have to say. And if I'm not interested, I just dump it. But um, uh, like you, Do think... he has a big cross section.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm just hoping that an hour is about the right kind of thing because I don't think dumping somebody with a four-hour conversation would be fun if it's the first time they've <laughs> dipped their toes in our water.
8: I don't know. I like the big, long fatties, though, Paul. If you gave me a four-hour solid podcast, I'd totally immerse myself into that.
0: That'd be brilliant. Could do a special at some point, just tag them all together.
8: I I
4: did do that two-hour and 45-minute one with him, with he and Sarah. And um, that's that's actually gotten, gotten a lot of hits, so it's So I think that's the one that people most listen to. And then the old ones were only an hour each.
1: Mm.
0: And
4: that was with Dia, his previous... uh, Yeah, that was unfortunate
0: about her health condition, yeah.
4: God, oh, I miss her so much. We became very close friends because of him. And so we used to talk all the time. Dynamic shape.
0: To help our research and understanding, leave Perceptions Today's podcast reviews, subscribe to the podcast, along with the other social media accounts and share. Come join our live events. That way we can get together and have thoughtful discussions along with advancing our understanding of concepts as we go along.